your personal story about why I think I'm going to be a great entrepreneur and how I'm going to grow this business and how I'm going to be good for the community, et cetera, et cetera. Those are things that you need to have ready to talk about. And it should be something that you want to talk about. So if you can verbalize that or you can put it down on, on paper, Welcome back to the Apex Business Advisors Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kavanaugh, joined as always by the president of Apex, Doug Hubler. Doug, we've got one in the books. What? I mean a deal? A deal. And a podcast. Okay. <laughs> <We> got, <laughs> for 2023, we have a podcast and, and a, a deal. deal. Right. We did get a deal done. I'll say Valerie got it done. We uh, we didn't could, get it. We could, didn't We were it. supporting her all the way. We we enjoyed, her. we enjoyed a lunch. Um, Valerie got a deal done here last week, and it was a very interesting deal, which I think we'll do future podcast on because it was it was enough in there that'd be good to, to do something about that. But she dealt with a sale among family members, so it did definitely take a broker in the middle, a third party, you know, kind of like you said, referee. Uh, on the deal to get it done. So congratulations to her. Kudos to those folks for having the awareness that, you know what, we need need professionals involved because I think they both had their own attorneys and they had own accountants. And And, and Valerie had worked with them for several years prepping them for this. So it it all worked out just as she planned. Our topic today are not necessarily buyer beware, but some buyer, we're gonna slant more towards buyer education over these next few weeks as far as if you are a new buyer coming into the apex system or just in general here are some Mm -hmm. things that maybe to be aware of right as you embark on a deal these are things that can make your deal go away and sometimes you don't find these things out till down the road so i think we've got four or five of these and i'll let you start with uh Sure, and I think one of the things, too, is even though we kind of slant this maybe toward buyer education, this is really important for sellers to understand what a buyer is going to go through, and some of these, the, the seller is going to be impacted also. So we'll start off with the legal aspects around the deal, and I think what happens many times is buyers or sellers don't have experience with these types of transactions of course most of them this is the first time they've done it and they may not have an attorney who's familiar with acquisitions or sales of businesses and so there's um, kind of an assumption when they're looking for an attorney and we have a lot of attorneys that we we can refer who are experienced with it but I think buyers and sellers need to be able to manage their attorneys a little bit too and because we've gone through situations where we've worked with a seller for a year or two and we get down to the close and we've got a great buyer and all of a sudden uh, an attorney's holding holding the deal up for some really I think what we would say something nitpicky that's holding the deal up they've scared either the buyer or the seller on moving forward and attorneys have different opinions on these things too. So it's almost, sometimes almost want to get a second opinion when somebody's holding a deal up. So I think where 
we, you kind of have to say to the attorney, listen, I want this deal done. What are my risks? Where do I, where do I really have the risk? Can you really quantify that? And how can I mitigate it? Because I want the deal done. That reminds me of an example that I had this last year. I think you remember the deal where the seller's, yeah, the seller's attorney completely rewrote the contract the buyer's attorney mm, had yeah. presented. Yeah. And there was nothing overly substantial. It was just didn't like the format. Yeah. And we had to call buyer and seller together and say, this is going to cost you guys a lot of money. And we're talking formatting here. Right. This is not right. germane to your deal. This is not impacting your deal other than the fact that these two attorneys are not seeing eye to eye on which format to use. Right. Right. And we're not going to tell you who's right or wrong, but we would love for you guys to talk to your attorneys and say, don't care about the formatting. Right. This is what's important to me. This, yeah. this, this, and this. Right. right. Other than that, I, we I should be able to come to an agreement, really. Yeah. And I think it is a, a matter of messaging to the attorneys. And, and sometimes we, we can get, uh, you know, a conference call with all the parties and say, let's just go through it and say, what are the hangups? And whether it's in person or video call or whatever, but just have a meeting with all the parties and get through those issues. And usually they can get handled pretty quickly. And I think if it doesn't, we will all identify the problem. Who is it that's causing the biggest problem? And then figure out how to deal with that. And it may be switching attorneys. The first one that I have on my list is third parties. Okay. So that could yep. be, and my definition of that could perhaps be a franchisor mm -hmm. or a key distributor. Yep. Uh, I think we've ran into some situations in the last year to where buyer and seller had an agreement. Uh, buyer and seller had gone through all of the steps, and I think we'll bring up a couple other scenarios here and, and folks that could impact a deal. Um, so I don't want to steal that thunder right, right now. Right. but. Buyer and seller have agreed with those particular parties, but for some reason, the buyer does not get approved through the franchisor. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that franchisors require that the seller, the current franchisee, may not know. So that person may be a United States citizen that had $100 million in net worth, and the mm -hmm. person that they're buying is not a United States citizen and has $250,000 of net right. worth. Yeah. They may not be able to qualify based on franchisor requirements. Yep. There are times where there are licenses that need to be obtained. Maybe it's a child care license or Medicare or something like that. So uh, those are other you know third parties that may hold the deal up. And it, and it may not be a huge approval process, but if you're dealing with a child care license, depending on the state, it could take 60, 90, 120 days to get approval. So it's it's not something that, uh, you know, we try to make sure that the owner, the seller, isn't worried about it because they went through the same thing. But it's the all the parties still want to move forward, but we're waiting for somebody else to make some decisions for us. Yeah, so I guess ensuring that you would be able to pass background checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we hope that if you've qualified for other things like a bank, that you will be able to get approved. But people need to know, and you have to mark some boxes. So, so speaking of banks. A bank is obviously a huge one for us since 
there are, it's probably 70% of the deals that we do get financing. They are typically SBA loans because SBA loans will allow us to get deals funded without being fully collateralized. And that's basically the, the only way acquisitions are funded. So there's time involved. There's a lot of information that they're going to want, a lot of background, buyer tax returns, seller tax returns. I mean, you can go down the list and say, okay, they're going to want to know everything about me, and maybe I don't want to do an SBA loan. Well, the SBA, it's, it's not any different from an SBA lender versus a normal commercial lender, except the SBA will actually guarantee the loan for the bank and probably most likely get the deal done. But a bank uh, going through that process, all sides need to know that that could be a 60-day process, a 90-day process to get to closing. It will depend on how quickly the buyer gets their information to the bank. Selects a bank, gets the information to them quickly, and the sooner that happens, the sooner we can get to closing. Being organized around your personal financial situation would be the, the key takeaway there. Mm-hmm. The, know where your tax returns are. Mm-hmm. Know where your bank statements are. Yeah. Know what a financial statement is. And, you know, and I think one of the concerns a bank's going to have is if, you are go- if they ask you to fill out a personal financial form, which they give you the form, and if you don't know how to fill that out, then they're going to have concerns about your business aptitude. So I think on some of these, it would be helpful to sit down with the banker, let them go through it with you, or we've, we've helped people with, with those kind of things before, answer, answer those kind of questions. But uh, you're right, how well they're organized, they can get the tax returns together, they can answer some, some basic questions. And one of the things they're going to want is a uh, kind of a business plan or marketing plan. And nothing extensive, but they want to know that you've actually thought about it and have some ideas. If I've had a bankruptcy, I want to disclose it. Because even if it's a long time ago, if they find out you've had one and you didn't disclose it, you may just get turned down for that. So, The last one that I had on my list is landlord. Mm -hmm. So, you know, landlords do have a say and they're you know, the landlord is really looking for, am I going to get paid? Mm-hmm. They know the business mm-hmm. that's in there. They know the tenant that's in there. And a lot of times, too, it depends on what type of landlord you have. Do you have a big conglomerate company that is a, a holding company that sits and has no idea uh, what what's, where's right. this at? Right. I, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, they don't know where it is. You know, they just... They bought a strip center sight mm-hmm. unseen because it had these things. And so right. are you negotiating with that? Or are you negotiating with the guy that's got the corner store yeah. that is not only got his store in the strip center, but mm-hmm. also owns the strip center, and yeah. he, you're going to see him on a daily basis. Yeah. Knowing who you're negotiating with and knowing who you're talking to definitely has a a sway in what, as a buyer, you're going to be able to do with your landlord and what they'll be willing to look at and really kind of what they what they want to know. Yeah, I think, you know, and the landlords have different motivations. Like you said, you know, you might have a big corporate landlord who's just looking at, they're going to look at the background of the buyer. They obviously have the history on the seller. 
So how is this buyer going to fit into this business? Do we think that's going to be successful? Did they get bank approval for their loan? They're going to they're going to ask for the, some of the same information, all the financial information, and the bank is going to ask for a ten-year lease, but it can be broken up into options. You know, it could be a two-year lease with some more options to make up that ten years. But let's say we've got uh, an 85-year-old landlord who looks at that ten-year lease and says, "I can't sign anything like that. I'm not going to have this property for very long." I'm going to have to put it on the market. And, and our, our point to the landlord is, listen, having a lease, it makes the property more valuable. So it's not going to hurt you. It's going to help you. But we have actually had landlords refuse to sign a lease because they were just afraid of what that was going to mean to them in the future. And, and it's better to know that up front. Sellers look at this and say, I've never had a problem with my landlord. I can't imagine this being an issue. I'm not going to bring it up until I've actually got a buyer. And this can happen. I think out of the things that we've discussed here, landlords can be sometimes the most frustrating one because you think, this ought to be simple. Mm -hmm. This is straightforward. Let's get a new lease. It makes your property valuable. You're going to continue having this great return on your investment. And then when I say no, like we're scratching our heads. I've yet to have a, a seller tell me, oh, yeah, getting a lease is going to be a problem with this with yeah. this landlord. Every right. one of them have said, no, it's no issue, no, no issue whatsoever. Right. They're great people. Yeah. Well, they're great people because they keep your sidewalk shoveled, the lawn mowed, the trees looking nice, the shrubbery, new and, mulch. And they keep depositing your checks. And they keep depositing your checks. But yeah. when you want to... Even if there's three years left on your lease mm-hmm. and the new tenant is coming in trying to extend, essentially, or mm-hmm. ask for a 10-year lease, yeah. but as part of their negotiation, they're wanting tenant improvements or they're wanting a reduction in, in rent to market, keep in mind that person still has a locked-in 36 yeah, months of, yeah. of what that lease is. So, right, right. Uh, you know, to, to bring us on home, I think the, the three things that I would recommend to a a buyer, even before you start into the process is, you know, think of this as an interview for a high-end executive job. It's not going to be good enough to just fill out the application and submit a a basic resume. Mm -hmm. I think you need to have a background and bio. What's your story? Mm -hmm. Right. What's your plan? Why are you the one that can take this business to yeah. the next level because every every single one of these that we talked about they would like to know that the landlord right. wants to know they're going to get paid yeah well i'm going to be a good operator in here and i'm going to yeah. do this a franchisor wants to know you're going to protect their brand mm-hmm. i'm going to be a good operator i'm going to take the bank wants to know they're going to get paid back well i'm going to be a good operator you see the theme yeah. here number two is have your personal finances in order and in order means know where you can find bank statements, know where your taxes are, mm-hmm. know where to find the information they're going to ask for. And, you know, and then if you have some things in, in your past that most people, if not all of us, have some things that may have happened when we were in college, things that maybe happened down in Tijuana that we didn't <laughs> think would follow us back, but, you know, it did. Be ready to be open and transparent about that. Because it it will it will surface that 
all of these places will do due diligence on you right. as an individual that right. we as brokers might not necessarily be able to do, but the bank can certainly do it. The franchisor can certainly do it. The landlord can do it. Most don't, but they can. What pieces of advice would you give to somebody as they're preparing for, I want to go buy a business. These are some things I should be thinking about and, and getting myself organized on to put myself in the best position. Well, I think one of the things that, that makes a lot of sense in how we start off qualifying buyers too is why why do you want to buy a business? Why do you think you'd be a good business owner? You, m- you mentioned the, kind of having a resume together and that makes a lot of sense. But your personal story about why I think I'm going to be a great entrepreneur and how I'm going to grow this business and how I'm going to be good for the community, et cetera, et cetera. Those are things that you need to have ready to talk about. And it should be something that you want to talk about. So if you can verbalize that or you can put it down on on paper, I think that will go a long way to get these folks falling in line. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to dive into the the types of businesses that maybe people should gravitate towards doing. So next week we'll do a deep dive on franchising. What type of buyer makes a good for a good franchise e? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What type of person? And then the following week, what type of person doesn't? Yeah. So and and there's yeah. there's definitely characteristics that, that people have that will either lead towards this person mm-hmm. is going to be a successful franchisee yeah. or this person really should steer away from franchising and go more towards that independent route. Yeah, and, and I think that goes for either when we're reselling a franchise or somebody's looking at a brand new franchise. There's still the same kind of personality traits that a franchisor is going to look at. Well, we just scratched the surface on this. We wanted to give you know a few tips and tricks because you know we first of the year a lot of new people are coming through our doors we're getting a lot of people that are interested in in being buyers and so we're trying to put out you know some high level information if you want to take a deeper dive on any of these subjects i'm going to send you out to our website kcapex.com go into the blogs go into the the history of our podcast we have done some deeper dives on these and there's um, tons of information out there in both of those areas and the offer to get in contact with any of the brokers in the office is is open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, on our on our website, you can go to our team, see our pictures, get in touch with us on email, check out our LinkedIn, uh, see which of these brokers might be the best fit for you, or just hit our general mailbox. And you don't want to make a decision based on the picture. But it's a good place to start. Well, you know, some <laughs> of those pictures may or may not need to be refreshed. Right. <laughs> that can be for another day. Right. So if you are looking at buying or selling a business, there's really only one place you need to go, and there's really only one firm you need to work with, and that's Apex of Kansas City. Mm-hmm.